What's going on, everybody? My name is Jake Lloyd, and this is the one, the only A Hoops podcast. Taping this on Saturday, February 6th. Uh, the night of Saturday, February 6th, I am at my desk. To my right is Dave Waldress Crespo. Joining us from Chicago is Sam Shortstop Healy. Fellas, uh, it's not quite over, but AU uh, just got run out of the gym by Lehigh. The winning streak is over at five, definitively. But still, a lot of good feelings around this team. Still a lot of good things we can talk about. We're going to do a quick one tonight before I jump on a plane tomorrow and go hiking for five days in New Hampshire. What's up with you guys? Not much, man. Uh, let me tell the listeners, I see that you're always going to New Hampshire for these hikes. And, you know, coming from New England, myself and Crespo, what is it with New Hampshire that, um, you know, I guess you're going with your dad. What is it about New Hampshire that's so great? We have a history up there. We have a family house that we go to every summer in August, and it's, like, surrounded by mountains, and there's a lake there, and I'm a crazy, uh, crazy hiker guy. I like to hike mountains. So last year, for the first time, we went up in the winter, and it's just a completely different world. It's just absolutely beautiful up there when there is snow everywhere. The, the big question for me tomorrow isn't whether I'm going to be feeling the burn in New Hampshire, but it's whether there will actually be snow in the mountains because they've had such a weak winter up there. I mean, weaker than AU's effort tonight. <laughs> what about you, Crespo? How's your weekend been? Well, I mean, the first mistake is that he's not hiking in Connecticut. That's problem number one, right? Um, no, no, I'm kidding. Actually, Connecticut brings nothing to the table. So, otherwise, dude, just standard Saturday night. I spent it at the office. Now I'm at Jake's, just two dudes eating roadie and about to talk AU hoops, man. Very nice, very nice. Well, I, uh, I, pl- I just spent about three and a half hours playing FIFA on Xbox. I haven't played Xbox or, like, a video game probably since 2004 with the PlayStation 2. And uh, I was driving Lyft, and uh, one of my passengers, second time in a week, is actually one of my friends. So I picked him up. Unplanned. We went out to breakfast and we played FIFA for about four hours. So another day in the life, boys. It's a beautiful thing for Sam Healy to intern, living the life in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, let's get right in. Let's get right into it. Let's jump into it, guys. What we're gonna do tonight, uh, so we can keep this short and so I can get packed for this trip and Crespo can get back to important Crespo duties, etc. Is we are gonna put five minutes on the clock for each segment, and we are gonna stick to it as if it's a basketball game. There will be no fouls committed, no timeouts called. We are just gonna run right through it and uh, and discuss uh, all of these topics. So the first one, of course, which is a typical segment on the AU's podcast, State of the Eagles, guys. I am starting the clock now. AU tonight. Falling to Lehigh. Let's see if it's over yet. Uh, we started the yeah. But the game just ended, 72 to 49. Ends the winning streak at five. Drops the Eagles to five and seven um, in the Patriot League, which puts them or keeps them, I should say, in seventh place. Um, Lehigh improves to six and five. Guys, but this is after a ridiculous five-game winning streak that nobody on earth saw coming from a team that was ranked in the 340s in Ken Palm and just looked dead in the water a few weeks ago. Overall, I think we still feel pretty good about the Eagles. Uh, Lehigh, just a really, really bad matchup for a team that, honestly, tonight just looked uh, looked tired. Yes. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's the one time um, where uh, you're not that uh, disappointed with a 30-point loss because uh, it just I think they just hit the wall 
Uh, they had a great winning streak, but that extra game uh, last Monday against Holy Cross, uh, I think, really got to their legs. So, uh, you know, Lehigh is just a tough matchup. Kempton, you know, just a big man clinic with entry passes. So, um, you know, you, not too surprising, but uh, about as optimistic as you can be after a 30-point loss, for sure. But I think the main takeaway here is that we know now, this past week or two, the AU can compete in the Patriot League. They took down the top Giants uh, with Bucknell earlier, uh, late last week. So that's the main takeaway here. Of course, not focusing on this giant blowout, but just say, hey, you know, our streak was fun while it lasted. Um, let's at least build off this to get some more, you know, just climb up in the Patriot League standings. Maybe not today, but further on down the road. Yeah, I mean, Bucknell game, I think AU used, um, you know, that was their second uh, home win of the season. They really used that home crowd atmosphere and energy to aid them, and I and I thought they really fed off that. And it was maybe their best, not maybe their best team effort of the season. I mean, you're talking about you know four guys scoring double figures for the first time all year. Uh, really contributions across the board. And then tonight, you just you just run into the absolute worst matchup for a tired team. Not to, you, you mentioned Kempton Sam, but. You talk about Lehigh with their guards being so quick. Uh, just not ideal for a team that just looked a little tired, a little sluggish. I mean, AU's bigs, uh, especially Paris in the first half, just looked lost trying to post up. Um, AU doesn't score for the first, what, six minutes in the first half? And the first, they didn't get a field goal for the first ten minutes in the second yeah. half. Uh, just brutal. And Lehigh, you know, a quick team, just pushed the pace appropriately so. Um, and really just tired out the Eagles. The one, the one positive from tonight is Brennan smartly pulled, you know, Jesse Reed, who had played 40 minutes in four out of the last five games. He pulled him with what, like eight minutes left or something. So yeah, Jesse got a little rest. Uh, same for Delante. Same uh, for James Washington. We saw guys like Alex Pacain and Gabe Brown that we haven't seen in ages. It seemed. Yeah. No. I. Um. Uh, that is uh, against Bucknell, especially. I mean, that was a. A huge, huge upset that I don't even think they're getting enough credit for. But, I mean, again, Bucknell played one of their worst games. Uh, that's a crazy stat that you threw out. Uh, with it th- they had their first three-pointer they didn't hit in 374 games yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so that's, that's got to be over 10 seasons. Crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just a, a perfect storm, really, for AU. Bucknell did not play well, did not shoot the ball well. Um, and then AU, you know, Paris gets that ridiculous bounce off the back of the rim on a, on a big three late. Um, yeah, they got they definitely they definitely got all the love on that game for sure. And then uh, you know with, with Lehigh, uh, the first time they they were just they started off the second half 0 for 11. The first half I think it was 0 for 6. So Lehigh, you know, was able to get the ball, uh, no offensive rebounds for AU, so they're able to get out run. And like you said, those guards were able to pull up and make them pay. Yeah, and I mean, nothing was clicking today. I mean, uh, Lehigh was lights out with, the, with their guard play. They were knocking down all the Jays. Um, even down low, Kempton made mincemeat of anyone who tried to guard him. Um, and then, of course, on the other end, uh, you know, AU trying to run an offense would turn it over, whether it was Paris shuffling his feet or forcing shots. We saw um, Modic forcing shots, Rivera forcing shots. Um, nothing just looked clean. They, they were getting clean open looks, and that would result in you know the guys not getting back on D, and then Lehigh would score in transition or or just in a mismatch down low. And so that was kind of the story of the game. AU was playing down, 
you know, uh, first half, 10 points down for the majority of the half. And then now, of course, they couldn't get it, their first point until like nine minutes in. First field goal wasn't until like 12 minutes in or something. In the, in the second half. half. I mean, in the second half. 10 minutes. All right, let, let's wrap Lehigh. There's really not uh, too much more to talk about there. Let's talk uh, five minutes about the ingredients, really, for AU success uh, during the winning streak. Um, it's really been the defense. And again, we're not talking about tonight anymore. Coming into tonight, AU was up to the third most efficient defensive team in the league, giving up just uh, 100.8 points per 100, uh, 100 possessions, 49.8% E field goal percentage, and very impressively, uh, 27.1 offensive rebounding rate, which is the third best uh, in the league. And what they were doing really well was defending the three, holding opponents to 28.4%. And you know what? There's, there's obviously... Um, some luck that goes into it. A team like Bucknell, we, we talked about, they just missed some open looks. But overall, I think AU, with that strategy of contesting every three and, and getting guys off the three-point line, uh, has done you know, a very good job on the perimeter. And we know AU's you know, still a little bit soft inside. I mean, teams are shooting 52.9% on twos, and they're the worst team at not fouling. But when you defend the perimeter so well and you make teams score primarily two-pointers against you, it allows you to stay in games, which really has been AU's formula for then you know, pulling out these games in the second half during the winning streak. So, yeah, Crespo. Go ahead, Crespo. Yeah, yeah. So, so even break it down further, you know, we did some analysis here in terms of what AU is doing in their six losses versus what they did in their five wins. And it, there's a couple of telling numbers that kind of jump out at you. Um, you know, first off, AU's field goal percentage, up 10%. And, and they're losing games, they're shooting 37%, just woeful on offense. Uh, but they cranked that up to 40, 47%, 48%. Um, threes per game went up by two. Um, they had a stretch where they went nine, nine, and eight, made threes for Lafayette, Navy, and Colgate, uh, respectively. Mm-hmm. What I like is that the, the, the three-point percentage field goal, uh, you know, percentage went up to 40% in their wins. They were just knocking down all the all, everything behind the arc. Rebounds stayed the same average-wise. Um, assists went up. We saw more assists in their wins. They're averaging can, I, about- can I just jump in with the rebounding, though? The rebounding margin went markably up. I mean, AU, just off the top of my head without looking at stats right now, AU re- out-rebounded probably four out of five of their opponents during that winning streak while they were getting outboarded during their losses. They, they, out, they out-rebounded three out of five. Or, yeah, three out of five, uh, but, but they could not. There's still a negative five deficit against Colgate, negative two against Lafayette. That's not bad, though. It's not terrible. But, um, but right, it's, it, it was a market, a, market, a market improvement where they were getting out-rebounded by double digits in some of their losses. Um, so... Yeah, and I, I, I'm sorry, Chris, but go ahead. No, 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 jump in, man. I think, I mean, I think the main thing is Delonte has kind of stepped into the stud role. I mean, he is, right now, Jesse still leads the team in scoring. I think he's about 12 and a half, but it's not going to be too long until Delonte takes over, so it's great to see the leap that he's made. Uh, as well as James Washington, he's got some growing pains. Um, you know, he's not as there yet as a Delonte. Um, but, you know, in that Bucknell game, they both combined for only four turnovers, um, which is pretty incredible considering where they've come from. And then with Jesse, I mean, Jesse, 
in that win streak, I mean, I think he had every shot that kind of put it away, whether it was a floater, a runner, uh, a hustle play off an offensive board. Uh, and, and the rebounds in general, they've just done a great job on not allowing second chances. Uh, and, I mean, you can't say enough about guys like Charlie Jones, even in this, you know, terrible loss today against uh, Lehigh, about three times where he just came in out of nowhere, jumped in and deflected the ball out. So um, that's big to get their second chances and not let other teams get second chances. Yeah, without Charlie, uh, AU would be almost non-existent on the offensive glass, but he really creates the majority of their offensive rebounds uh, with his tip-outs. Tip and yeah, you, you mentioned Delante and James. I was so impressed against Bucknell with the only four turnovers combined. I mean, with Stephen Brown and Frazier and Azanero, those are three of the most pressuring guards on the perimeter, or really they were picking up at half court in all of the Patriot League. And James and Delante just played with such poise and composure, uh, especially in that second half. And Bucknell got, like, no live ball turnovers. And one thing that AU did really well against Bucknell, which they failed at tonight, is even off of their misses or even off turnovers by AU, they got back on defense and got set so well. And they were able to st uh, stop Stephen Brown's uh, penetration and make Bucknell really have to set up in the half court. So... Um, if I'm Brown, yeah, no, I, I think that's the biggest key is, is just not getting letting the teams get those easy baskets because with the AU's defense and their half court slow pace, switching off every ball screen, they're tough. They're tough and annoying to play on that defensive end as an offense. So if you cannot give up those easy points, it's huge. And you know, for the first time this week, just one more thing I'll add here. We got a minute left in the segment. For the first time this week. We uh, got to, to talk to players after the game. We got um, post game, the post game session included on Monday after Holy Cross. It included Jesse and Marco, and then on Wednesday it included Marco and Paris. Um, so it was it was nice to be able to to ask the guys kind of just about the process of the season. And one thing you know, I asked Jesse about what the, what the season's been like for him. And he said, you know, you play with guys like Pee Wee and Chof, the game's easy. They, they always knew how to find me. I knew where to find them. We had great chemistry, uh, especially with me, Pee Wee, and Marco all living together. So we had extra chemistry almost. We all, kind of always knew where each other was going to be. But it's been tough. There's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of downs. Finally starting to get some ups. It's been challenging, but it's been exciting because I see the growth in the young guys and the things that are starting to click in their head, and they're finally starting to figure it out. As one of the older guys here, it's my responsibility to try to bring them along and help them on the learning curve. So, you know, interesting stuff from Jesse. And, and I do think that both he and Marco um, have a maturity where they do understand the process. I don't think anyone, including them, thought it would be this difficult and that there'd be so many losses stack out, stack up before the, the win started to come in. Um, but kudos to them for sticking with the process. Um, other things that kind of came out from those post-game sessions is that the team is really just stuck together. There's been no inner strife. You know, it's been obviously difficult losing, but they've stuck together as one, and that's you know that's good to know as well. So let's wrap this segment. Um, moving on, third segment, guys. Here, this is this one's exciting. Um, thanks to the fellas. Um, actually, you know what? Before we jump into the mailbag, let's do State of the Patriot League real quick. So. Uh, AU missed the chance tonight to get within a game of second place as it stands right now. Bucknell, despite the loss on Wednesday, they're in great shape. 10-2, uh, three-game lead. 
on a three-way tie for second in the league between Colgate, Navy, and BU at seven and five. Lehigh is right behind now at six and five, um, and then of course you've got AU five and seven, Barmy four and eight, Holy Cross four and eight, and Lafayette two and ten. Um, I think right now what the league really comes down to is it's a race for second. I'd be really surprised uh, if any team is able to make a real run at Bucknell. Um, if any team is, to me, it'd be this Lehigh team tonight. Uh, you know, the preseason favorites in the league. Um, I just think they still have the most talent, and if they put it all together like they did tonight, they can they can make some things happen, and they still have a game against Bucknell. But Bucknell... Plus 16.5 efficiency. They crushed Holy Cross today, 77-52, back to their winning ways. They hit eight threes. Do you guys see anyone challenging the Bison? No. No, I don't I don't see anybody challenging. Uh, I think Lehigh right now potentially is the best team, um, but I think they're too big of a hole right now. But uh, it's just crazy to see uh, on any given night. Uh, I think tonight was the first game uh, today that was played in the Patriot League where a home team won when Lehigh uh, beat American. So just lots of lots of parity. And and I will say this. So, you know, both Navy and Army have kind of come back down to earth. They're, they're just fallen. I think Navy's lost their past, what, three? They, four out of five. Four out of five. And Army, I think five out of six. Yeah. Um, the the only other team maybe out there, so, so certainly Lehigh, they have the talent and the athleticism to challenge Bucknell, uh, BU. We got yeah. Chetty Mosley back. Um, that gives them an extra weapon in their arsenal. And looking at BU schedule to see if they can close the gap, they still got some games to play against Colgate, Bucknell, and Army in a row. Uh, n- not to mention they're playing American uh, February second, tenth uh, coming up. So yeah. I would say BU maybe, but looking looking at their schedule, they've got a tough road ahead of them. So I think Bucknell. I I think they're they're. They're on that rock. No one's touching them. No one's, no one's coming for that crag. All right. I actually think BU's schedule isn't that tough. I mean, they've got American at home. They go to Loyola. That and somehow I didn't mention Loyola. They're also in that seven and five group. They have Colgate at home. They go to Bucknell. Obviously, that's the tough one. But then they finish at home against Army and Holy Cross. Um, I don't think they're going to catch Bucknell. But uh, there is something to be said for BU. They are a really, really deep team. Um, they are they. They won in overtime today uh, over Lafayette, you know, a game that probably shouldn't have gotten to that point. However, um, I think they are one, they're, they're playing up to preseason expectations. Remember preseason, like BU was considered like top four and then they had all the injuries and Hankerson and everything. Um, to me, it's pretty impressive what they've been able to do with those injuries. And I think their depth, which, you know, we talked about a lot early in the season, especially with those two guys who are out. Uh, it's really starting to show, and Mosley's making a difference for them. Um, you know, Army. Obviously- yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen uh, too much of BU, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, like I said, because of the preseason predictions, but with the Hankerson injury. But you know, the only time I saw BU was uh, a little bit in that uh, uh, at American. Um, but uh, I'm not surprised at all to hear that. Yeah, yeah, they're they're up there, and to to put a wrap on this. Um, you know, Army's just, they were crushed by the injuries to, to Plum and Ferguson. Those guys are back now, but they're still, uh, they're not back to the form that they were at when they beat Monmouth. 
Uh, Holy Cross has really fallen. I mean, four out of five, averaging just 53 points in the losses. We saw how ugly that was on Monday night in Lafayette. Two and ten, uh, six straight losses. The last two have been in overtime, but you know they've been competitive. But they're in the cellar. Uh, tough season for the Leopards after winning the league title last year. Okay, guys, next segment. Ten minutes on the clock. Let's jump into this mailbag. Shout out to the people at Pro Boards for all these great questions. Really appreciate you guys uh, listening to the podcast and participating. Let's start with this, guys. This is from Hurst First Thirst Worst? Three Worst? No, H-U-R-S-T one S T. Hurst First, first, the work. Oh, I have no I idea. I can't do it. I can't do it. Anyway, <laughs> question is, who is AU's biggest X factor going forward? No. Man, man you, you got to take the rain on that one for the beginner. I got to take it. <laughs> AU's Go for it. biggest X factor going forward. I'll, I'll go ahead and take it. Um. I want to say Delonte, but I'm not really sure that you can say he's an X-Factor because I think at this point he's established himself as a star. Um, and the same with, like, Jesse. I think the biggest X-Factor going forward, if I have to say one name, mm, I want to say I want to say James Washington just to see if he can continue uh, to make a leap. Uh, I'm not expecting him to, to, to get with a Delonte. Or to get on that level, but uh, if he can just continue running the team, limit the turnovers, and score, I think he's averaging uh, just under double figures in Patriot League play. Uh, I think that is huge because if he's playing well uh, and shooting well, he's shooting under thirty percent right now from three. But I think if he can make the leap and be that other freshman, that's that's the X factor. Okay, I agree. But there's a there's a lot. There's a lot. I, I actually agree. That's who I was going to say too. Second question, Crespo. Let's throw this one to you. This comes from. Backdoor Bender, who has a couple for us. What do you think of the starting lineup of Jesse, Marco, um, you know, Paris, James, and Delante? Should Brennan stick with it the remainder of the season? Who would you like to see coming off the bench more often? So let's use the let's use the phrase starting lineup loosely because whenever we've got Paris in the starting lineup, he's out within the first, you know, who knows, maybe six, seven minutes. Um, so I like that lineup. Um, I would like to see more Charlie, to be honest, uh, because Charlie kind of brings a defensive uh, just cushion and, and feel to the game. Um, so who are, you put, who are you putting in Charlie for on that lineup? So, right, that's the thing. You start with that lineup, and, and, and you, you try and bang out as much offense as you can from Paris, and you get him out, and you go small. And that's pretty much what you have to do, unless... Now, now, Modic, his star has been rising uh, the past couple of games in this win streak. Modic's minutes have gone up from averaging uh, eight po- under nine minutes in the six losses to about uh, 18 minutes in the five wins. And so we're seeing a lot of Modic. He's getting more comfortable in their offense. He's not afraid to take that shot behind the arc. Um, and he makes some plays, and he's having fun. You can tell he's having fun while doing it. So um, stick with the lineup. That's fine. But I like to see, to be honest, more Jones quicker. I see Jones quicker in the game, not at like you know eight minutes left, and then uh, see more Modic. Okay, third question also from Backdoor Bender. I'll take this one. Will there ever be a moment, either this year or next, where we will see the commentator nightmare of having Gabe Brown, Kevin Brown, Charlie Jones, and Delante Jones on the same court? 
No. <laughs> it won't happen. All right. Matt Juan Jones, the legend on Pro Boards, asks, what is the ceiling for Delonte Jones? Will he be a really good player like a Brian Gilgos, a great one like an Andre Ingram, or an all-timer like Kermit Willie Jones or Boo Bowers? And we should preface our answer to this by saying that Matt Juan Jones has a much greater um, knowledge of AU basketball history than any of us here. But we can certainly uh, take a stab at this. You know, when when you're talking about those guys, you know, Boo Bowers, Russell Bowers, he is uh, he has the most points ever in a season for AU. He had 726 in the 1979-80 uh, season. You know, obviously, when you're talking about Kermit, he is probably the greatest player. Not probably the greatest player in AU program history. When you're talking about Andre Ingram, he's Fifth on the career scoring list, uh, you know, Boo was first, Gilgo second, Willie Jones third, Frank Ross fourth. So it was it's pretty um stellar company there, guys. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think um, again, like like not Juan Jones, much bigger knowledge of AU history than us, but you know, it's kind of like in 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 those um, players, it's almost like good, great, or all time great. And uh, I'm gonna if I had to, if I had to go with it I'd go in that uh, Andre Ingram category. Uh, great, um, yeah. you know he's already shown his defense has taken a huge step up. Uh, you know he's getting all this attention for his 20 point games with his defense uh, in his size at six five, uh, and he's a much better shooter than they thought. So you know coming in as a three star recruit uh, for a conference like the Patriot League is kind of a big deal. In this instance, you know all the hype for him, um, you know I think I think it's valid. And rarely does AU get a freshman who can make a scoring contribution right from the start. Um, he's put up 20-point games three times this season. I think he's on the pace to become like like Andre Ingram. And Ingram plays in the D-League right now. And he's one of the few players of recent history who's got to play professional in the U.S. And so, you know, that's where I put him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him... He hasn't elevated in my mind to be a star elite status yet. But So early. Yeah, so it's early. too early. I mean, three things. One, he's got to stay healthy. Um, two, he needs to put in a lot of work in the offseason, both on his game, but also he needs to bulk up. He is still a string bing out there, still gets banged around too easily. He needs to get himself a, you know, a, if you're going to be an all-time great, you got to get yourself an all-time great body or close to one. Um, and then, no, and I, I, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Is, well, the third thing is just, it also matters who you're playing with. And right. if guys are... You're playing with guys who are um, making your job easier. So, right. you know, how will James Washington progress? Uh, what will Saeed Nelson um, do for him? That kind of thing. Plus, he needs that. Yeah, and I, 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 um, so I hate to skip ahead uh, to cut in, but I think you nailed it on the head. You know, it's going to be, you know, what the future is for, for American. And, you know, that's tough. We don't know that. But that leads in, you know, I hate to skip the order, uh, but Turtle Guts. I love saying these names. Turtle Guts. Uh, and Jake, I'm going to guess, probably has the best insight here. He follows the recruiting and the boards more. Um, he asked, can you give us your thoughts on the incoming freshman class and your thoughts on what you would look for with our remaining spot open? Uh, yeah, I don't follow it as closely as I'd like, um, but I've, I followed mostly on Twitter, and from what I've read and seen on Twitter, I really like Saeed Nelson. I think he is going to come in... Excuse me, and be that true point guard next year. He will allow James to play off the ball on the wing 
uh, which is more James' kind of natural position. Uh, he'll make Delonte's job easier. Um, I think Seed's going to come in and, and be that guy for the Eagles. It'll take time. He's not going to come in and be an explosive player, but I think he's going to be a rock-solid, exciting point guard uh, who will fit in well in Brennan's system. And then you're talking about Mark Jesperini. I keep seeing all kinds of tweets and stuff about him just kind of blowing up in his senior year of high school. Again, you're talking about a 6'9", 6'10", guy, depending on where you look, uh, originally from Moscow. Um, he, you know, from everything I've seen, I think he's going to fit in well in terms of that uh, big guy who can shoot from the outside, who can play the high post a la Tony Rablicki, because we all know, hey, Modic, <laughs> he steps out and he takes some threes, and he hasn't been awful. I would just say he's been mediocre. Um, but I think Jesperini is even more of a natural fit in that position. Um, as far as the third spot, I, I can't really provide any insight there. Um, you know, I, th I think it would be good for AU, especially with, you know, Charlie's only got one more year. AU needs another really strong defensive player. Um, you know, someone who you can just put in the game and, and stick on a Haas or someone who you want to shut down. Um, so, so that could be helpful. Maybe, maybe a wing, but that's, that's just my very, um, very, initial take on that third spot. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Um, next question for you guys. we got a few left here in this segment. We're currently at nine minutes. How palpable has the improvement in team morale been since the current streak began? Crespo, you've been at the last couple games. I'll let you take this one. I think definitely it's palpable. Even even in, in the post-game interviews, the players, we, we've had the chance for the players to come in and they've got smiles on their faces. They're happy to talk about the game. Um, so, so, Team morale never really, you know, in doubt. I think they always they always go back to that faith in their system, that faith in their coach, that faith in what everyone's been doing and growing and whatnot. So, so that's kind of keeping them through. And and I think they've expected the wins to come. It's just it's just come in tranches, unfortunately. Um, the, what was that word you just used? Tranches. 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 Yeah. Forty point. <laughs> Dude. All right. Fine. <laughs> Dictionary.com here. A tranche is like, like a big chunk, right? So if something comes in tranches, it's gonna come in a big, uh, you know, chunk for lack of a better word to keep it to keep it elementary. For oh, you a portion. Oh, that is an that is a uh, Kogan School of Business MBA education vocabulary right there. <laughs> wow, learning new words on the AU Hoops podcast. Thank you, Dave. Well dressed, Crespo. Uh, next question. Also from I am Sir Joshua, and sorry, sir, for not introducing you before your first question. Sam, why don't you take this one? Which player do you feel has developed most since the beginning of the season? Oh. Uh, that's, that's easy, 100%. Uh, Delonte, yeah. uh, I think just, you know, he had flashes of, uh, of what he could do early in the season. Um, I think he had 20 points. I'm going to get it wrong. I think it was against UNH where he had 20 points. Um, could be wrong, but early yeah, in the season. Right. But now, you know, with this run, you know, he's hit the ceiling. I think he's averaging just under 20 in the last four games. And uh, he has taken over as their number one scorer. I know Jesse still leads a little bit. But in terms of shot clock winding down, and uh, I think he is the man. Uh, I think that has been established. 
Yeah, he, he loves that three from the uh, right wing, especially. Mm -hmm. That's his spot. He'll just be standing there with the ball, kind of flat-footed, and then just stroke it, and his stroke is so pretty. Um, so there's no doubt about that. And then the final question, also from I Am Sir Joshua, if Delante really gets going during a game, could we call it Delante's Inferno? Now, <laughs> okay, the reference, I don't know if you guys know the reference for Dante's Inferno, but this was like a 1935 a movie. Okay. Like old school, and is known through Hollywood for not having... Not to be confused with Dante's Peak. Not, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> and and it's, it, this movie is known for having this like depiction of like hell. And they created this like crazy hell of what hell would look like um, in, in, in human form. So, now... I appreciate the fact that, yes, we should have some sort of coin phrase whenever he heats up. Like, remember, guys, when they used to have the lumpkin patch, right? Remember we had the lumpkin <laughs> patch? And good. so it was something that the school could rally behind. So I support the school kind of, or even even the, the Twitter handle, start going, Dante's Inferno happening tonight goes off 20 points, you know, six rebounds, hashtag Dante's Inferno. So, I mean... Delante's Inferno. Or, or, right, sorry, Delante's Inferno. And, um, and, and um, roll with that. You can't have the apostrophe in the hashtag, though, so just be Delante Inferno. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a copywriter, advertising, hashtag, like, taglines, that's my thing. I, I, I got, this is making me realize, I like the name, I like it, I gotta come up with some more nicknames, more creative ways to, uh, throw in some hashtags now. Yeah, dude, tap that creative juice, man. You got it. Cool. Guys, dude, uh, oh, dude, a side note real quick. Yeah. Actually, no, I'll save it. I'll save it. That's a teaser for you guys. I'll All save right. it for my closing thoughts. Five minutes on the clock. Last segment before our closing thoughts. Let's predict the rest of the season, guys. Where is AU going to finish up? Uh, how they're how are they going to do in their final six games? They have four of them at home. Their two road games, B on Wednesday, which is the toughest game by far left on the schedule. And then at Holy Cross, a game that's you know obviously very winnable. How, how do you guys see AU doing in the final six games? Where can and where will they end up in the Patriot League? Go ahead, Crespo. Okay, so their their next test at BU, right? February tenth. So you hope AU hung with BU, but then but then BU, you know, uh, just got away in the second half, and and AU just looked. If I recall correctly, Jesse hit the floor. AU was a, AU just couldn't match. So. BU is probably going to be the toughest game. I think AU has a revenge match against Army. I think AU can take care of Lafayette again. I think AU will take care of Holy Cross. Actually, American American schedule is probably comparatively yeah. one of the easiest down the stretch. I mean, they've got, like you said, they, they, they close out at home with Navy and Loyola. So, I mean, I think you would hope those are wins. AU has established the fact they can now win at home. So... Um, I like AU's chances. I bet out of these six games, I hope AU wins four of them. I think four is actually realistic. Um, I think they lose at BU, but I think they can win all of those home games, but they might drop one, and they can win at Holy Cross. So if I had to guess, I think AU finishes four out of the last six, which would put them uh, incredibly at nine, an even, yeah. nine, and nine, nine and nine in, in the league. And, you know, 9-9 nine nine in the league, uh, I don't know. I, I think, you know, they could potentially finish 5th or 6th. They're not getting yeah. uh, first. They could potentially get. So so the big thing is you want to stay 
out of the out of the bottom four because you know because they have to play the extra round of games. As long as you're as long as you're like a six, then you, then you play you know the third seed in the first round. So who knows who that'll be? But it, but that means you only have to play three games in the Patriot League tournament. So I think um, I think that's what AU's goal should be is to avoid um, having to play in that first round of games. And if it is that they have to play on the road. Hey, we saw what they could do last year. I know that was a different team, but I'm just saying uh, it's not the worst scenario. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think I think four games in the last six is going to be the goal. Uh, I don't see them going into BU and winning, but I see Army, Lafayette, uh, Holy Cross, and Loyola. I think those will be the four wins. Um, but um, in terms of these six games, I think we can also, with this young team, it could go, they could do another five straight, but they could also, you never know, they could also lose another five straight. So this is going to yeah. be a huge, huge yeah. stretch for uh, seeding in the, the Patriot League tournament. No, you're absolutely right. It, it, that's certainly worth mentioning is that this is a team without much margin for error. So, you know, they come out in another game flat, like tonight, whether it's against Holy Cross or whether it's against Navy. Uh, they're probably going to lose that game. There, there really is a very thin margin of error. So while I think they will win four out of six, they could lose four out of six or could lose five out of six. We will see. The, just the beautiful thing is that they've showed us during this stretch before tonight. They've showed us what they're capable of. They've showed us this isn't just a lost season. They've showed us that this isn't just a season where Brennan's trying to get experience for the freshmen, that there's still things to play for. And that Marco and Jesse um, have some positives to look back at, you know, during their senior year, which it, which is great for them because they've been such um, tremendous guys within the program. Um, closing thoughts, guys. Let's jump right in. Uh, this has been a, a fun podcast, just kind of rolling through all these topics. Um, what do you got on the docket, Sam Shortstop Healy? I'm Jeremy Shap. My father got me this job. Yes. Yeah. I uh, I am uh, about five, six weeks into my career as an intern in the creative advertising field, uh, and I got uh, a project I think you guys would, uh, a quick, like, 30-minute project I think you guys would enjoy um, that I can email you later, but uh, have you guys heard the news about the Golden State Warriors and the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? No, I'm watching the Warriors oh. right now on my television. Oh, right? oh, well, well, well Dave Presto, oh, oh. famous for the triple, the triple decker, will yeah. love this. They, the the Golden State Warriors, apparently their strength and conditioning team completely changed their diet and cut out a bunch of stuff like soda, cookies, and all that. And one of the things is peanut butter and jelly. And apparently the Golden State Warriors are notorious. Like everybody loves it. Like Luke Walton loves it. Uh, even their general manager loves it. Steph Curry wanted to bring him back. Uh, so in the news, it was kind of big, I think a few days, or two days ago, that peanut butter and jelly are back on their team flights, are back in the pregame meal room. So, I'm at work, and, you know, as a copywriter in advertising, uh, one of the clients we have is a, uh, peanut butter brand. I won't name the brand, because I don't know if that's illegal, but I was given the opportunity, we were that someone came up with the idea to just do a quick stunt, so I wrote an email to the Golden State Warriors uh, why peanut butter and jelly is so important and why they should switch to the peanut butter and jelly that my company uses. Um, so I was supposed to write two drafts, so I did one, 
And then my other draft, I did an entire fake trade scenario with fake quotes, like the Onion style, about how they should trade Steph Curry straight up for a jar of peanut butter. <laughs> and uh, the creative director on that one was like, yeah, let's not go that way. <laughs> so so that was, my, uh, that was my Friday afternoon at work, so I can't complain. Wow, that's brilliant. And... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches don't seem to have hurt that team in any respect, I must say. I, I, I don't think so, and I think, okay. I think Crespo is the expert on PB&Js. I mean, when I was at rock bottom, it was unemployed for nine months. I lived off PB&Js, and that my, my only delight was creating the triple-decker PB&J. That was, that was my highlight of the day of a guy who did work. Dude, I am right with you right now. Back in, uh, I'm back at, you know, interning, making twelve fifty an hour. You better believe that my uh, dinner four times a week is peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> with a light toast. And I have no problem saying that out loud. Dude, you got to kill that dollar aisle in CVS, man. Just own it. Own it. <laughs> All right. Own it. All right, so my closing thought is on Stuart Holden. Uh, for any soccer fans out there, Stuart Holden retired from his international career. Um, now, Stuart Holden has been a personal inspiration of mine for a number of years now, and reason being, his story is, you know, he he was born in Scotland but came to the U.S. when he was a kid, played played in Houston um, in high school, played at Clemson, and then played in England and Europe, uh, got a professional contract there. His story is he always seemed to get injured. That's kind of why I kind of like bonded with him. And like one of his first games there, he was still like a teenager. He got in a bar fight and he got his eyes busted, his socket open. He was just trying to break up the bar fight. Um, he's well known for being on the wrong end of two crunching tackles where one tackle broke his leg and about a year later, roughly the same tackle happened, broke his same leg again towards ACL. And he was always on a path of rehab. Always, he was a huge promise, but injuries always set him back. But he never let that get him down. He was determined to always get back, and he always got back to full strength. And so, what made him a winner was um, he played for Bolton, and Bolton was like a bottom of the pack club. And he came in and just shot Bolton's popularity up. He he won games for them. He scored goals for them. And when he when he got injured and had to leave. Bolton falls out of the of the top flight. And so he had a tremendous impact on Bolton. He came back to the U.S., had a great Gold Cup performance uh, going into the World Cup uh, in 2014. And then in the final game, he re-tears his ACL on just a BS. He, he was running to, on defense to chase a ball, and his knee just kind of like locked weird. And he went down. He knew immediately what it was. And that was heartbreaking for me to see that because, you know, I knew all that he did to get back to that form, to get back to that senior team. And then all after a great after a great run of games with the Gold Cup, mm-hmm. that's what happened. So he just retired. He announced it the other day. Um, USMNT would have been a greater squad if he was healthy for the World Cup, uh, but that did not happen. But as an injury-prone guy, um, it's it's it was good to see an inspiration, um, you know, of what he's done to always get back to full health. Amen. Thank you for that, Crespo. <laughs> My closing thought is, gosh, college basketball is fun this year. Since Crespo got here tonight, brought the roadie, and we watched the game, and now we're podcasting, number one and number two have gone down. 
Oklahoma lost to a bad Kansas State team. Or maybe they're not that bad. North Carolina lost to Notre Dame. Uh, there's so much... This this year is so much different from last year. There's so much parity in college basketball. There are like 20, 25, 30 teams who could win the national championship. I mean, if you look at the rankings, you've got like... Seven teams that have, like, three losses. Xavier, I guess, is the only team that has uh, has two losses in the top ten. SMU can't go to the tournament. They're outside the top ten. I mean, you have teams like Indiana, who's ranked 22nd, who could absolutely win the national title. They completely throttled my Michigan Wolverines on Tuesday, and I'm not going to get into Michigan because it's been an absolutely brutal week. Uh, but overall, just a really, really fun uh, year for college basketball. One other thing. I think we all know how idiotic and dumb uh, sports fans can be, but I, I want to point out two instances from the past few days. So you guys know how last Saturday uh, the 76ers nearly beat Golden State. Like, ridiculous comeback. Like, we're talking about the worst team in the NBA. And Golden State, Harrison Barnes ends up hitting a three at the buzzer. <laughs> To, to break the hearts of those Philly fans um, who actually gave their team a standing ovation. It was pretty neat. Um, Deadspin did an article after the game basically mocking it, saying, I think that the headline was something like, Philadelphia beats Golden State 105-108 on last second three. And it was a really, like, it was really, like, uh, um, Interest, you know, fu just fun like article that just like poked fun, you know, at the fact that that Philly had actually almost beaten Golden State, but the fans didn't get it. Like all of the comments in the comment section were like ripping the uh, ripping the uh, writer saying, "Dude, you're so dumb. Golden State won." And like someone posted like an image of the box score, like pointing to the arrow, saying Golden State had won. I was like, guys, does nobody get it? What this article is? <laughs> God, it's so bad that Deadspin had to do another post a few days later, or maybe it was yesterday, saying, "By the way, our article from Sunday was not was a parody. It was <laughs> it wasn't a legit article." So that was, I, th oh, I found Lord. that pretty humorous. And then the second one was a little bit more serious, but it's just like. Today, during the Michigan game, of course, the trolls on Twitter were just, like, tweeting at the sports writers saying that, like, Karis Levert's, like, this big pussy for not being out there. Like, why isn't he playing for his team? I'm like, are you kidding me? You guys are the biggest losers out there. Like, first of all, first of all, he's not even the one making the decision. John Beeline's making the decision because he's a good coach and a good person and he cares first and foremost about the kids' futures and Karis Levert's going to be a first-round draft pick and the last thing you want to do is bring him back like one game early so he can play against Michigan State and he gets hurt and then his basketball career is over. RG3. Secondly, secondly, do you know how much money Karis Levert has brought in for the University of Michigan and its fans over the past four years? Is it, is it Jake Lloyd talking or Jalen Rose? <laughs> anyway, uh, Twitter trolls, fans, they're the absolute worst. I'm going to close with that. Remember, guys, it's just a game. It's all about the kids. 
we get angry, we get upset about things, we don't enjoy games like tonight, but in the end, uh, these are good kids just playing basketball because they really enjoy it. And in the case of the AU Eagles, almost all of them are going to go on to do uh, things outside of the game of basketball. So, let's close with that. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, you can find all episodes of the AU Hoops podcast on iTunes. Search AU Hoops two words. Also, find all episodes at auhoopspodcast.com, where we've got lots of other great material, like quotes from Brennan and players after every single game. I typed them up on Wednesday night after Bucknell at like 1 a.m. in the morning. Um, So find all of our content there. And as always, even on nights like tonight, guys, go Eagles. Go A.U.